December the 7th, 1941. Air Information Centre at Fort Shafter. The call goes out from the radar operator. I am picking up a large formations of planes heading to Hawaii. The officer on duty, the chief officer on duty, duty Kermit Tyler, gave a quick glance and mistook, mistook the Japanese attack aircraft for a flight of B-17 bombers that he was expecting. At a cursory glance, he looked at the blip on the radar and he went, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Tyler's response to the radar operator has gone down and been argued over by historians, military professionals, armchair, armchair generals and conspiracy theorists over the last eight decades. They have critiqued and criticised his actions that day and argue over whether the attack could have been prevented and the lives could have not been lost. Why? Because, you ready? I'm going to say this this morning and it's going to be the premise upon which we build everything else. Because he ignored the blip. Everyone say he ignored the blip. He ignored the blip. The blip on the radar and the radar operator calls out and says, hey, there looks like there's a problem. It's like, don't worry about it. That's not a blip I've got to worry about. Forget it. A few moments later, Pearl Harbor was destroyed. Lives were lost. The question I got for you this morning is how often have you ignored the blip? The blip. I ignored the blip one time. It was a few years ago, I had a friend who was promoted and transferred to Mexico for a few months as a lawyer and I was super excited and she invited me and my family to go and be a part of this. I thought this would be so cool. I loved the idea of going, I love travel. And so I was planning to go to Mexico to visit our friend in Mexico. That's pretty cool, right? And then one day I was driving down the road and I just ignored the blip. In fact, I didn't even notice the blip. The blip in the motorhome as the temperature gauge sensor went up. In fact, if you go back a few months ago, there was this alarm beeping, this beep, beep, beep. It annoyed me, so I cut it out. That's an annoying sound, it doesn't, it irritates me. Let's cut that out. I ignored the blip. After I cooked the engine, because apparently the radiator had run out of water as we had a water pump leak, and apparently that meep, 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 that sound wasn't my alarm to wake up, that sound was the alarm to say, you're running out of water. By cutting that out, and not noticing the temperature gauge climbing, I ended up costing myself $9,000. Consequently, we didn't go to Mexico for a holiday. It went to a new engine. How often does ignoring the blip cost you? How often does ignoring the blip cost you financially? How often does ignoring the blip cost lives? How often does ignoring the blip cost your marriage? Anyone, don't put your hands up. It's a rhetorical question. Anyone know somebody that ignored the blip and now their marriage is in tatters? And you think to yourself, man, I could see that blipping away. I could hear that alarm from the other side of the fence, but you ignored the blip. Anyone ignored the blip and cost them financially? Anyone ignored the blip and it cost their business? Anyone ignored the blip and it cost their physical body? I ignored the blip the other day. A couple of weeks ago, I was shoveling dirt and my back was irritated. I'm thinking, that hurts a little bit. 
It's all right. I'm big, I'm strong, I'll keep digging. Anyway, after I spent the last few hundred dollars at a chiropractor and laying on my back and trying to recuperate and rest, I realised that I had violated my own principle and ignored the blip. Everyone say, don't ignore the blip. My advice is don't ignore the blip. Not every blip is a big blip, by the way. That's the thing, isn't it? You know, we, we think that the blip is gonna be this big trumpet blast or big red flash and we'll go, oh, I can't possibly miss it. But you know the blip can sometimes be a small twinge in your back. The blip is just a blip on a radar of your life. The blip is just a temperature gauge going up. The blip is a way you feel because I can see you starting to go, what the heck are you talking about? So let's come back. What is the blip? The blip is when you're in a situation or a circumstance and there's an emotional response to what's going on and you just push it to the side. The blip is when you feel fear, anger, frustrated, hurt, shame, disappointed, embarrassed, and you just push it to the side. The blip is when you think it's all about them and it's got nothing to do with you. And if I could just get them to change and I wouldn't feel the blip. Can I say, don't ignore the blip? Because ignoring that blip costs lives, costs marriages, costs businesses, costs physical pain, emotional pain and turmoil. Don't ignore the blip. That feeling of anger, fear, frustration, embarrassment, those feelings that just flash across your mind. Don't ignore them. Pause. Dig down a little bit. Can I have the first slide go up? The slide of the iceberg, the the blip as we did. No, it's got to go up on the big screen. (laughs) Who wants to sign up for the sound and visual team? They really love it when I do that. (laughs) Everyone, Callum is on the front row this morning and guess what? He's not supposed to be doing anything and he's exactly where he's meant to be. Can we just give Callum a huge hand this morning? (laughs) You know, Callum is awake and he is super excited to be sitting on the front row. He is sitting on the front row going, pick on me as much as you want this morning, Pastor Phil. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I love it. Callum, that's exactly where I want you. May the Lord richly bless you as we learn to not ignore the blip. (laughs) The blip could come from your pastor saying, don't fall asleep in the sound desk. That could be the blip for you. I don't know. Let's get on with the message, shall we? Yeah, good point. Thank you, Lisa. She didn't even say anything. I just wanted to address her this morning. (laughs) We see what's on the surface. The blip is what happens underneath the surface. The blip sends a signal to the surface that if we don't stop and pay attention to, will ultimately sink us. The blip isn't on the surface, the blip is what happens under the surface. The blip, that that little feeling that comes up when somebody says something, when somebody does something, when somebody doesn't say something, when somebody doesn't do something. That little feeling of frustration or fear or anger that comes up. That feeling that happens when the fruit of their actions enters your life and something internally changes. 
I'm gonna go back a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Genesis chapter two and I'm gonna ask for it to go up on the screen. It says, after Adam and Eve had eaten the fruit, the fruit went into their bodies and then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they began to sew fig leaves together to hide their embarrassment and to hide their shame and to hide their fear and to hide those feelings beneath the surface of the fig leaves. Can you see that this morning? And then the Bible says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid, everyone say hid, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Hid themselves. The blip happens and they begin to sew fig leaves together and hide from the presence of God. The blip happens and I don't want anybody to see what's going on here so I'm gonna hide it and I'm gonna ignore it and I'm gonna pretend it's not there and we become masters at masking the blip. We become, become masters at ignoring the blip. We become masterful at sewing together our fig leaves so that we can present a better face to the community. Look at me, I've got it all together. Look at me, I'm financial. Look at me, I'm fantastic. Look at me and everything behind is going wrong. And we're so busy ignoring the blip. And I wanna say to you this morning, God loves you enough not to leave you that way. This is the message I wanna bring to you this morning. I'm gonna ask for the table to be put up on the stage by my good friend Hunter and Rachel, who had no idea I was about to ask them to do that, but here they go. That's it, careful, it's full of water. Mine have been, you don't know. And over this way, please. Over this way, over this way, over this way. Over, over more, over more. And, and probably back a bit and forward. No, I'm just kidding, just there, thank you. <laughs> We have here this morning, I'm gonna to get to this in a minute. I'm gonna just pretend it's not there. And I'm gonna say, God loves you enough, you ready, to bring your mind to the blip. God loves you enough to allow the blip to exist. That's a crazy thought. Because we all just want the blip to go away. But I wanna to say to you, the blip shows you something deep is going on. And God, in his loving mercy and grace and compassion and kindness allows you to experience the blips. Last week, we talked about buttons. We talked about how people press your buttons, they flip your switch, they trigger you, they get under your skin, all of those. Um, this week, I have actually not changed my sermon. I'm just calling it a different name so if more people get it, it's a blip. I'm gonna ask you to turn in your... Bibles this morning to Malachi. And we're going to read the last prophet of the Old Testament. If you're turning in an actual paper Bible, it's the very last book of your Bible. And Malachi 3.3, he's the last prophet of the Old Testament, 400 years before Christ. And he writes a prophetic word to the priests. 
Malachi 3.3 says, He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering of righteousness. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering of righteousness. Who are the sons of Levi? <clears throat> the sons of Levi's, Levi were the priests. They were the ones who were to mediate between man and God. The sons of Levi took the sacrifices in. The sons of Levi were the priests who would offer God praise. They were the sons of Levi. And if you wanna just take that and you go, well, that's great, that's then, but what is it now? Let me go into the New Testament. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says this. He says, but you are you. Point to your own chest, you. Peter's talking to you. He says, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. You are the priesthood. So when he's talking to the sons of Levi, the priesthood, he's talking to you. Peter says, you're now the sons of Levi. You're the royal priesthood. And we're gonna combine them and we're gonna go on. God wants to purify you. He wants to do something in you. He wants to do a deep work in you. Why? So that you can offer a righteous sacrifice. So you can live a righteous life. The goal of Christianity is to become like Christ, who is in right standing with God. The goal of Christianity isn't just to whitewash the tomb. The goal of Christianity is to do a deep work inside you. And the problem is that we've got so good at presenting fig leaves and masks, we've got so good at ignoring the blip that the stuff inside never gets dealt with. And so I'm gonna bring this message together this morning and I'm gonna ask you, firstly, to not ignore the blip. Secondly, what do you do when you get the blip? Thirdly, thirdly, where did the blip come from? Who made the blip? And here's where I wanna go this morning. I wanna create the image for you. So this morning I've got this wonderful Christmas fire happening. Is it going? Well, there you go. That's so much for that fun thing. Hey? It is now. That's a fire. It's a Christmassy fire. Malachi 3.3 says that he, being God, God will sit as a refiner and a purifier of the silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them. So my next question is, how does a refiner refine silver and gold? Does anyone the fire. He's painting a picture of how God purifies our life. And, and the Bible says that God will sit as a refiner and a purifier. The Bible says God will sit as a refiner and a purifier of the silver and the gold. He will sit. And what does he do as a refiner? He allows heat to come into our lives. He allows people and situations and circumstances to come into our lives. 
that heat things up, that press our buttons, that trigger us, that get under our skin. Why would a good God do that? Wouldn't, wouldn't a good God just want everything to be okay? Wouldn't a good God, and now, now ready, this is gonna be annoying for those who believe in the magical fairy God who they just pray their magical fairy prayers and he magically waves his wand around and poof, alakazam, everything's better. For those people, you're in big trouble today because I wanna tell you a little bit about the Father's heart. I wanna talk to you this morning about how you raise children. I'm not sure about you, but if you want children to be raised right, if you want resilient children, if you want strong children who can represent you to the world, you do not smooth the path out and make sure they never have any bumps or scrapes. Who's got children in this house? Who's got children that go to school? Who's got children that go to school and get sometimes picked on? Who's got children that go to school and sometimes do the picking on? Moving on. process. It's a process. And, and what a purifier does is he allows situations and circumstances to come into your life to heat things up. And as the impurities come to the surface, that's how it works. When things heat up, the impurities come to the surface. You know what? For 15 years, I worked in the building industry and I never cussed. I was amazing. I was such, an, such a beautiful example of Jesus Christ in the building industry. And then I had teenage children. And it's embarrassing, but I remembered how to cuss well. And I would love to say that the problem was my teenage children in God, if you just dealt with the teenage children and you let them clean their room and wash the dishes and take out the garbage and mop the floors exactly when I say and how I say, then I wouldn't need to get frustrated in any way at all and the world would be a wonderful world. Anyone had that prayer answered? Please, if you've had that prayer answered, could you just fly around the room, come over here, lay hands on everyone, we're done this morning. He didn't answer mine either. And what I noticed is when frustrations would come, when the temperature in my house would increase, things that I didn't even think were in me would come to the surface. Things that I thought they had dared and buried and they'd been dealt with long ago. And all of a sudden, in the pressure cooker of life, in the heat and the furnace of life, things would come to the surface. Can I just, for those who are struggling right now, can I just say, you know, God wasn't shocked by it? God didn't ever go, oh my gosh, I had no idea that garbage was in there. God knows it's in there. God reveals it so that you'll know it's in there. And then a refiner and a purifier of the silver sits over your life and lets, he allows it. Come on, man. He permits it. He permits situations and circumstances to, he, I think he orchestrates sometimes people to come along beside you who press your buttons. Why? Because he wants to reveal to you what's still not dealt with. So he lets situations come. I was talking to a young man one time 
I'm talking to this young man and he came to me with a specific problem. He was very upset. People were taking advantage of him. He felt used and abused. And I began to question him. I began to ask him because he was really frustrated. The pressure was on. The temperature had risen up. He was angry. He was upset. There was a blip on the radar of his life. And I said to him, what's going on? And he said, there, there. You know, when it's, when it's them and not you, then, then it's their problem, not yours to deal with. And he went, there, doing the wrong thing. And I went, well, well, Let's slow down and ask the question, why? Why? Why are you bothered by them? He says, well, I just think that that they need to just grow up. Me too. I agree. But that's not the question. I said, why are you bothered by them? He said, "Because, because they need to just take responsibility occasionally. Yep, that's true. But why are you bothered by them? And he dug a little bit deeper. He went, you know what? I just feel like no matter what I do, it's never enough. Man, that, that's, that's a little deeper, right? I just feel like no matter how hard I try, it's never enough. That's, that's a little deeper. I said, can you identify where that feeling came from? Can you identify when you first felt that feeling? I'll never forget it. He looked at me. He said, you know what? He said, I just wish. He said, said, I know that if I had just tried harder, if I had just been a little bit better, my dad wouldn't have left. I'll never forget it. I sat at my dining table with tears in my eyes as I realized that this had been in him so deep for so long. This feeling and this pain of something that was totally outside of his control was in him, buried deep beneath the layers and layers of leaves and fig leaves and masks that we wear. Buried deep beneath the performance and the beauty that we present to the world, but right deep down was this feeling of inadequacy and shame and fear and not having been enough or done enough or been good enough. Are you following me this morning? He isn't the only person to wrestle with the stuff that's inside him. And you would think to yourself, well, surely a loving God would just just like not let pressure come that would reveal that, bring it to the surface, but that's not how a loving God works. A loving God says, no, no, we're gonna, we're gonna turn up the heat a little bit and I'm gonna let that come to the surface. And if you would recognize the blip when that comes to the surface, you can actually give it to me. And a refiner and a purifier of silver at the point that the dross and the garbage and the rubbish comes to the surface, he will wipe it away. Is that not a beautiful picture? He permits situations and circumstances and people to come into your life that press your buttons, that trigger you off, to permit heat to come into your life, that bring rubbish to the surface, so that when it comes to the surface, lust, pride, ego, hurts, fears, the filthiness that lives deep down inside us and he brings it to the surface. 
through a process of pain sometimes, through a process of problems sometimes, through a process of people sometimes, and he brings it to the surface and then he wipes it away if we will give it to him. Do you know what lots of us do? Lots of us go, well, I've had enough, I'm out. I'm not sitting, I'm not sitting on that fire any longer, that's gone, I'm gonna go over here. I'm leaving that church because they stink over at that church. I'm going to go to this church. This church is a wonderful church. And then do you know what God does? He... He brings it all back to the surface again. Anyone ever notice that? Doesn't matter how many jobs you change, how many churches you change, how many positions you change, how many partners you change. Have you ever noticed that no matter how many problems you've had with people over your life or any, I love this, this is an Andy Stanley one. So profound, so wise. You ready? Have you noticed that every argument you've ever had with anybody in your life, there is one and only one common denominator? It's you. It's amazing, you're present in every argument you've ever had with anybody. Because God, and I really believe this, because God loves you so much that he won't leave you the way he found you. That he will cause heat to bring things to the surface that you may wipe them away with him. Do you know how long this process goes for? I'm going to drag my table back over now. Do you know how long this process goes for? It goes for all your life, sure, if you're looking at that time. But for the refiner of silver, where they used to make mirrors from the refined silver that would be then rolled out, do you know for the refiner of silver, do you know when he knew the process was complete when he looked in and saw his reflection. When no matter how much heat, how many problems, how much pain came in, when he looked in and he saw his reflection, the process was done. Our goal is not to just go to church. Our goal is to reflect him to a world. Our goal is to become like Christ. And, and do you know what Jesus said? He, he was so bold when his disciples were saying to him one day, Lord, just show us the Father. Jesus looked at them and he said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When you've seen me, you have seen the perfect image of the Father for I don't come to represent myself but to represent him. And that's the same for us. We don't come to represent ourselves. We come to represent him. I can't talk for you. I can talk for me. And I know what's in me. And boy, sometimes when the hurt and the pain, 
when the fire builds up a little bit. Man, the stuff that's in me comes to the surface, right? You know, my, my wife, we sh- shared last week, three words, have you looked? <laughs> the stuff straight to the surface. And I, the good thing was I just looked like Jesus in that moment. <laughs> you know I'm being facetious, right? Man, the guy cuts you off in traffic. He takes that last Christmas car park. And the stuff that's in you, the fear that you're not good enough, the fear that you're rejected. My family always dismissed me. They always treated me like that. They never thought I was smart enough, rich enough, intelligent enough. They always dismissed me. And that that's being buried deep down comes rushing to the surface. In that moment, because I can't. And anyone on the outside, anyone notice that? Anyone on the outside is looking like, that does not look like Jesus. (laughs) In fact... That looks a little bit nuts right there. That guy has issues. Anyone ever done that? How cool is it, by the way? Just throwing this out. How fantastic is it when we get to see it and just see everybody else's problems? Oh, so good. It's my favourite place. Anyone else join that? Do you know, like, oh man, it's so easy to see everyone else's issues. Harder to see my own. Don't ignore the blip. I love Brian and Val. I'm just going to use their illustration now. It's, you know, the the saying, it's easy to ask for forgiveness and permission. And and I can tell Brian and Val 100% from the absolute depth of my being that I love them. And there is literally nothing, nothing at all that they can say or do that causes me to rise up in the flesh. Everyone's wondering, where's this going? I know, me too. (laughs) But can I say it wasn't always like that? It wasn't. Sometimes Brian was really gruff. Sometimes Brian would say things that were hurtful or offensive to me. Sometimes Brian would cause stuff that was in me to come to the surface. And so, you know, what was the easiest thing in the world to do was just tell Brian and Val to go fellowship somewhere else. Then I wouldn't have that problem. I've never wanted to tell them that, by the way. But I'm using that to go, you know, you meet somebody and I love, and I say this, please, please forgive me if it's, coming across wrong because but Brian can be a little gruff Callum sitting on the front row thinking Phil can be a little gruff sure and you know behind Brian when you just get used to Brian being gruff to you and you get that stuff coming up and God dealing with it and then it coming up again and God dealing with it and coming up and God dealing with it and then one day Brian says something and there's just nothing that comes up Anyone had that experience? Then one time Brian says something, your father-in-law says something, your wife says something, your brother says something, that horrible auntie says something. Alyssa says something, just want to include you, thank you for being there. And just nothing comes up. Anyone had that moment where you go, like they've said something 
and there's just nothing in me. And I reflect more completely the image of my Savior. That's the goal of Christianity, is no matter who says something to you, who accuses you of being lazy, who thinks little of you, academically, financially, socially, it doesn't matter, physically, geographically, pick a name. None of it matters. Our goal is not to run away from that, but to say, Jesus, that really hurt. Can you please clean it off so that I might more fully reflect you? Jesus, I want, no matter how much heat comes in, to be able to reflect you in my marriage, in my ministry, in my interactions with people, in the shopping center, wherever I go, I want to reflect Christ. I'm going to read that Malachi scripture again, if you can put that up for me. I want to leave you with this thought. He will sit. He will sit. As a refiner, and a purifier of silver. He will purify the priests. He will purify you if you let him. And he will purge them as a refiner purges the gold and the silver. He will purify you and purge you and cleanse you that you may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. That your life may be so fragrant and so beautiful that you more fully and completely reflect the glory of God in every and any situation. That's the message I want to bring to you this morning. Thank you for being attentive. I pray that this has touched your heart. And I, and, and I really pray that you would just open yourself up and say, God, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. And then if you're bold enough and brave enough, would you say, God, please don't let me keep running away from the fire. But let me offer to you the hurts and the pains and the fears and the frustrations and the shame and the guilt. And would you just wipe it away until I more completely reflect the glory of God. Father God, I pray that this message would touch hearts and change lives that it wouldn't just be information, but it would be revelation, that as we open ourselves up, you would transform us to become more like Jesus in everything we do. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.